0: Welcome to episode one of It's Called a Tasting. And it's classy. So my name is Kevin. I'm here with my wife, Liz. Hello. Uh, what are we doing here? We're learning,
1: drinking, and enjoying some wine with a little bit of conversation in between.
0: Yep. I mean, basically, you and I know next to nothing about wine, right? We drink a lot of wine, uh, enjoy it, but are far from knowledgeable on anything. Looking to sample a bottle each time we sit down. Different wines. Yep. Yep. From different makers. Right. See if we can learn a little bit about the wine, teach ourselves, pretend we know how to taste it.
1: And explore some things in our life.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, that's really it. Though. I mean, this is an excuse for you and I to sit down and have conversation. Right. Right. And you should learn a little bit about us. We met each other a little over 20 years ago up in Bowling Green, Ohio. You were going to school there, and I was living there. After a couple of years, we got married and, and we moved down to Columbus. Since then, we've had a couple houses, a couple kids, a couple pets. I'm now a senior Java developer at a financial institution here in town.
1: Yep. And I am also a Scrum Master at that same financial institution. And a lot of people say, well, what's a Scrum Master? Well, a Scrum Master teaches and coaches agile development. It's a mindset and a methodology to deliver uh, that technology quicker with better features, more quality, and more interaction.
0: If you could give a really simple example of what that is, what would that be? I think of <laughs> agile as somebody comes along, they say they want to build a house, and they say these are the rooms I want, and I roughly where I want them to be. And in software, the development team goes and, and builds that house and starts building those rooms. And at some point, they may take some uh, make some creative choices on behalf of the builder. And that's kind of what Agile is. It's it's being flexible to come back and make changes later, right? So if the developer decides, hey, I'm going to paint this wall purple, the builder or the product owner in this case may later say, I don't want it to be purple. I want it to be this. But it's all about flexibility, right? Right.
1: Uh, But the Scrum Master plays a big role in that aspect. And a lot of people don't consider that. And they don't really deliver the technology. They help keep that technology team on track and keep them focused, help them identify those opportunities to do it quicker, do it better and be happy in between. So what do you do in your free time? I like to ride my bike. Uh, I like to paint. I'm a little crafty. gotten away from it over the years, but getting back into it because of our daughter. I like video gaming.
0: When I'm not at work, I'm usually doing something technology related or getting my exercise in, whether that's cycling or running or a little bit of lifting lately. Yeah. Yep. So what is this podcast about? Every time we do this, we're going to get a bottle of wine from somewhere. Uh, typically something we haven't had before. Uh, learn about the wine. The goal is to finish that bottle of wine, which is not much of a challenge for either one of us. <laughs> but during that, not, we're not just going to finish the wine and talk about it. We'll also have some conversation.
1: Get to know us. Get to know our style. Yep. Well, when we learn about this wine, we're, we're going to look at it from a novice perspective teach us what color looks like, why the colors that way, why it tastes the way it does. What causes it t- t- tastes the way it does. So this is really interesting wine you chose.
0: You ready to get into the wine?
1: I'm I'm anxious to drink it, man. It looks
0: real it, really yummy. <laughs> right. So what we have tonight is a Tenuta St. Lucia Orange Crest. And I'm dropping the ball right away because the year is not on the bottle and I could not find a year when this was made. Period. I'm going to assume a 20 Nineteen or a 2020. But again, Tenuta St. Lucia is the company, which is Italian for the St. Lucia estate. We picked this wine up at Mezza, and I believe we're pronouncing that name correctly. We need to double check at some point. Mezza is our local wine shop here in, in Columbus. We picked it up because it's an orange wine, and I've been hearing a lot of interesting things about orange wine. So you're ready to go down that rabbit hole?
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay. As I lost my notes. Orange wine, different from blueberry wine... Right, because we hear blueberry wine. I don't want to talk about the blueberry wine we had years ago, but you you hear blueberry wine, and blueberry wine is made from blueberries. Orange wine is not. Hmm. Not made from oranges. If we walk through the wines that exist, a red wine is made by squishing red grapes with the skin on, right? And it's the skin that really gives it that red color. Rosé is similar, but the skin isn't left on as long, so that's why it comes out more of a pink color. White wine has the skins taken off completely before the grapes are squished into wine.
1: So there's no difference between red grapes and white grapes when it comes to making the wine?
0: No. You could take a Malbec and make a white wine out of it. In fact, I did that when I was looking it up. There is such a thing as a white Malbec. Shut up! If you take the skin off a Malbec grape and then squish it into wine, it's going to come out white. Wow! Okay, so where does orange wine fit into all this? Orange wine is exclusively made from white grapes, cannot be red grapes, and the difference is it's white grapes with the skin left on.
1: Okay. That would probably be why this is more of a yellowish tint than it is a clearer tint.
0: Right. It should have a little bit of an orange color to it.
1: But why orange? Because you
0: don't think grapes. When you think grapes, you think green grapes or red grapes, right? Right. And these come from white grapes exclusively. Right, but... I would but, say a slight tint of orange.
1: I agree, but it just kind of blows my mind that there it is it does it get the orange tint from maybe like an orange zest that they put into it?
0: No, because that would be oranges then.
1: I'm just asking.
0: <laughs> okay. Because the skin is left on when they're they're squishing the grapes. I got there's a better word for squishing, I'm sure, but again, we're idiots. Because the skin is left on, there are more tannins in this wine. There are no tannins in white wine because the skin's taken off. There are right. tannins in red wine because it's the skin is left on. Because the skin's left on here, there will be some tannins. So that should give it a different taste from what we're used to with white wine. Okay. So let's talk about the winery, to St. Lucia. Located in the, in the Emilia-Romagna administrative region. I had to dig into the government of Italy because I didn't know. I mean, beyond Italy, how's Italy broken up?
1: No idea. Yeah.
0: But you just said administration, which makes me think it's similar to France. But we can talk about France later. I did not go into French government. Okay. Italy is broken up into 14 administrative regions, and each one of those regions has its own set of provinces. So it still seems to be go- layers of government. I don't know why people call it provinces different from states. Okay. Right? But administrative region is just another layer between province and country. This region is about...
1: So, hold on. Well, so it's like the Midwest versus the South versus the the plain area or northern or coastal areas.
0: It could be. You could take Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, and make them their own administrative region if you wanted to.
1: Well, no. If we would like relate it or correlate it back to the, the regions that we have today, we have like the New England area, which is mm-hmm. Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, New York. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't
0: matter either way. But it would. Would that be similar to a Providence? Province, province, like Canada. Okay. Provinces represent or make up the administrative region. Okay. The administrative region could be any collection of states in the United States. If so, do they to. have
1: their own set of rules?
0: Yes. Okay. Just like we do at the state level, right? Okay. All right. Interesting. Anyway, this region is about halfway between Rome and the northern border of Italy. So, like three quarters of the way up the boot, if you want to look at that that way. Up the boot. Up the boot. <laughs> Uh, the region has mountains on the southern half, that it's pretty flat on the northern half. We're not doing Ted Lasso impressions. <laughs> this was awesome. One of the wealthiest regions in not Italy, all of Europe.
1: This region where this wine came from? Yes. Ooh.
0: This region, which isn't very big, contains the automotive makers Ferrari, Lamborghini, Maserati, and Pagani.
1: Ooh, so...
0: I see us visiting this area in the future, and Chris being super excited to be there. I don't know that I would ever go vacation there because it has the automotive manufacturers, but and I didn't dig into touring the companies because that's again where do you draw the line for the rabbit hole? Yeah. Aside from visiting the manufacturers, I didn't see anything that stood out. Nothing else in their tourism was familiar. They so how
1: a- did how did it become the the automotive area?
0: That's well, one of the wealthiest regions in Europe, and those are the some of the most expensive cars. Okay. In fact, I, I bet you Pagani has a car that's more expensive than any Ferrari, current Ferrari or Lamborghini. Many millions. It's also the home of Barilla, who makes pasta in the grocery stores. And I didn't know Barilla came from Italy, but that kind of makes me want to choose it a little more often than Kroger brand.
1: Yeah. Agreed. When we actually do get pasta,
0: we kind of cut that out of our diets to 100%. That's true. Another conversation for another day. So the, the winery itself, located about twenty miles off the coast on the east side. So this this region connects with the Adriatic Sea on on the east for just a little bit of the coastline. So it's about twenty miles inland. It's sitting kind of in the hills of the mountains. So it's inset, and it's is it like? So when I picture Italy, I picture like these
1: these little mountainous tiers of houses that little
0: scooters go up and down. Is that the wrong side? That's the wrong side. That's not this area. Okay. This is more your natural coastline where it just kind of falls to the sea. Okay. And there's highway along it and, and buildings, but again, it didn't. Nothing really stood out to say I want to go there in vacation. The weather is about the same as Ohio, maybe a little more temperate. Okay. Right. Highs in the winter were in the 40s. Lows, sorry, highs in the summer were in the 80s, and then the rainfall was almost identical. Uh, again, this winery is found er, set in the hills of the mountains. Founded in the 1960s, when a father and son decided to merge their two pieces of farmland together. They operated it as a farm, which did include wine, until the 90s, when they took it and converted it exclusively to a winery. Okay, so here's the catch. It's a biodynamic farm. So it uses the water from the sea. No, it has nothing to do with the water. Biodynamic is similar to organic. But it more, instead of just using natural processes, it believes that it's a single cycle that goes plant to animal to soil back to plant to animal and just keeps cycling that way. So what they get out of the plants, they try to, they do give to the animals. What they give to the animals, they put back in the soil, absorbs into the soil or they dig it back up, which we'll talk about. It goes back to the plants. Oh, cool. Sort of. It gets a little spiritual hippie for me, but... You can kind of think of it as it is to farming what alternative medicine is to treatment. Okay. So it's a little more herb-based. It's a little more natural. I believe this is working rather than whether it is or not. So some of the interesting things they do as part of the biodynamic farming is they they make their own fertilizer and they make their own antifungal spray. But the way they make each of those is for the fertilizer, they, they take manure put it in a cow's horn and bury it in the soil from fall to spring and then they dig it up and they lightly spray it on the plants as an antifungal or as a fertilizer, sorry. I can see that. That that kind of makes sense. But the antifungal stuff? Yeah, the antifungal is they take a cow horn, they fill it with quartz, and then they dig it up six months later and spray it as an antifungal. And part of it is part of it is was termed as sympathetic magic, which is supposed to be yeah, it's supposed to be imitative so it's really they believe it's doing work whether it actually is or not so part of the the bearing the cow's horn full of quartz in the soil was they believed it was absorbing some cosmic power from the soil
1: kind of like ali's crystals
0: a little bit that's probably a good analogy
1: so our daughter recently got into crystals and she's been leaving them out to absorb a full moon's power when we have a, a a good clear full moon night it's interesting it's another rabbit hole where we could go down. But explain to me if that's similar to Ali's crystals, why bury it in the ground?
0: Because they believe it's absorbing cosmic powers from the soil.
1: So do they just grind up the quartz when yep. it. Okay. So there's. In n... the horn. So they grind it up before they bury it.
0: They grind up the quartz and put it in the horn.
1: Okay. I didn't hear the grinding up of the quartz. No, well, we didn't
0: cover that. But... Okay.
1: And that makes sense then. Do they put any kind of liquid with it to help it? Hmm. That's interesting.
0: Oh, they they also follow the lunar solar can or ca- candle. They follow the lunar cycle. Yes, they follow the lunar solar calendars rather than rather than just looking at your farm and you know, hey, it's Monday. I I need to plant my crops because it's Monday and that's when I start my week. They follow the lunar calendar to determine whether that when they should be planting crops.
1: Oh, that's kind of cool. Yep. So going really far back into like the the Indian cycles they're not indian but the the
0: native american the native americans that lived in italy
1: who knows they they, that's
0: a rabbit hole (laughs) no 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 (laughs) no no, no. Uh, this is actually a really old process of farming it's not something new that was invented biohazard farming has been going on for a long time biohazard farming (laughs) biodynamic farming (laughs) it sounds really interesting i mean all right we can almost taste this wine this can be thought of as a natural wine okay but so it's a
1: not natural wine
0: something that would be farmed using herbicides and pesticides. Oh, okay. Right. The, the only problem is there's no real governance or classification for what a natural wine is. Okay.
1: All right. I'm kind of curious now because yours has
0: been sitting a while. Yours is still much more bubbly than mine. Hmm. The very last thing on the winery. This wine's not made anymore by this winery. Oh, okay. So if we like it, that may be it. Oh, boo. We can go get other orange, orange wines, wines, but it's not going to be from this company. So let's talk about the bottle super quick right it's it's a shorter stubbier bottle it's a dark dark glass yeah it is a really dark glass it looks like a green the label has a bird on it with like an orange mohawk and when i did my research i'll show you a picture later it it looks like a hoopoe bird which is native to the mediterranean region doesn't exactly look like the bird that's on the label but that seemed to be the odds are favorite for what it is this is the first wine i've ever opened that had a cap on it yeah, like a act- bottle cap right to get a bottle opener and flip it and open it
1: and it was it's even more oddest because it was carbonated with a lot of pressure on it so I'm curious on how that bottle cap stayed on right because most most carbonated white wines have the cork and then they have the twist tie that keeps the cork down no
0: yes but what about every bottle of beer you've ever had
1: oh that's true those all stay on yeah, that's, I don't know, but I agree. This is the first bottle of wine that has ever had a
0: bottle cap on it. All right, you want to smell it? Yeah.
1: It smells really good. I
0: can smell a little bit of the orange. There's no orange flavor in it. Really? There's no orange flavor in it. Now, it's it's white, so it's still supposed to be citrusy.
1: That might be it then. The color's still, it just surprises
0: me. Okay. I think it smells. I don't know what the word is. I I, I Unfortunately, we know the tannins are in it. Right, right. So that should make it a little more bitter, which will be interesting. I think that's leaning or leading my nose down that path, though. Just me. I'm uh, obviously I'm picking up on the citrus notes, but
1: which makes me think of like a a champagne, like a real
0: sweet wine. Right. It should still be sweet. Okay. You ready to taste it? Yes.
1: What's that aftertaste?
0: It's the tannins, I think. Right. So you can still taste the mm. sweet, but it has kind of that. I don't want to call it a bite, but... It's right on the tip of my tongue. See, I would argue that it's not... If you feel that taste on your tongue, it's towards the back, right?
1: It's on the sides. Yeah. It's on the sides of my tongue. I'm saying the word that I'm thinking of is on the tip of my tongue.
0: I got that. I was just making a point with the flavor. Yeah.
1: It's really yummy. It's really, really yummy. It's going down too quick. Almost like a strawberry
0: flavor. Yeah, it has kind of that aftertaste, like a strawberry wood, where...
1: A woody almost a woody
0: like i think that'd be sour it's earthy yeah that's where the tannins come in
1: maybe that's what it is oh but it, i it's what I, I smell citrus but i taste
0: berries you think it's a combination yeah what would you eat with it dessert really yeah mm.
1: like a creamy a cream pie cheesecake maybe a real sweet fruity cheesecake Triple berry cheesecake. That might actually be good. Or a chocolate covered strawberry. I really think it's a dessert because it has that uh, the acidity and the the tannins. I think it, it, it
0: makes me want
1: something sweet to counteract it.
0: I see that. I'm still trying to think of what food I would eat. Dessert's a good answer. It is quite bubbly. I'm trying to think of an ethnic food that it would go with. It's definitely not a steak. It's not a hamburger. It's not a spaghetti, but maybe some, maybe something Italian in there, like
1: a ladyfinger dessert.
0: It'd be okay with a ladyfinger dessert, maybe like a white chicken parm. Make it with fettuccine instead of.
1: I think it's too heavy. Okay. That kind of a, a. This is a really light, airy. That's what it makes. It makes me think of a summer day, cool breeze.
0: I would drink it with hot dogs. For reals. Yes. Why exactly what you're saying and i think you're right if you take your normal sparkling white wine it typically is very light you Mm -hmm. do want to drink it on a summer day i think this is a little darker than that and it is the tannins that make it a little more like a red
1: agreed and maybe that's why i'm digging it so much i'm a big fan of reds i
0: prefer reds over whites all right you ready to hear the flavor profile and what we should actually be eating and drinking Mm -hmm. this with sure (laughs) the truth is we dropped the ball again this information is not available anywhere Shut up. So we weren't wrong.
1: So what's the label actually say? Nothing?
0: No, it doesn't say anything. There's nothing on it on the back either about flavor profile. What does Vivino say? It doesn't either. What? I could not find any information on what the flavor profile is or then what to eat with it. Uh, the ABV is is
1: 11.5%. Not bad. It's yeah, a little on the low
0: side, isn't it? That's right where you want it. You want it to be between 11 and 13, I think. That would be about the same as a beer per glass. You need to slow down in your wine. I know. My gosh, this is so good. We will do this later. We'll start making our profile official on the vino. But what would you give it out of five?
1: Oh, five. Oh, I could drink this all day long, man. And it is tasty. That, there's nothing wrong with it. It has just enough sparkle to it. And it has just enough tannins to keep me coming back. Okay. Like sometimes you get those sparkling wines that are just too bubbly and too sweet and it gets, it. you taste it, you can taste it on your teeth sometimes when it gets too sweet. Uh, maybe I'm weird, but when I have too sweet of things, I can't drink it a lot or eat it a lot because it
0: bothers my teeth.
1: Mm-hmm. This all day long, man.
0: Again, I unless you go back to Metza and pick up the last few bottles, I don't know what you're going to do. I might have to do that. I unfortunately know the answer already from Vino. I think I would give it a four nonetheless it's good it wouldn't make the top of my list for whites i do like a sparkling white as well but i, I still don't think it's not my five it's, this is not an amazing blow me away it's just really good and, and that's what vivino has it rated on average it's a four right in the nose
1: mm, that's okay i really think sherry would like this one too she's not a white white person either but chris would hate this i don't know he doesn't like the sweetness he's like super dry this is not super dry it's not super sweet Maybe that's why I like it so much. It's right in the middle, and it just hits that
0: good spot for me. Yes, I I think so. It it is. It is a white, but then has a sparkling white, but has that little bit of red profile to it.
1: I really think that that's really interesting. The way you describe the how they make the different wines or the different types of wines, it makes more sense to me now. I just I always thought it was about the type of grape. It's the way they squish the grapes what's that word then it's not squish when they
0: press the grapes
1: (laughs) i like squishing better
0: (laughs) yeah that's what the novice would say all right do you want to talk about this wine any further no i'm actually
1: i I just i might dabble in some doing and eyeing as we start down our path of our conversation but this is a really good wine I may have to go pick up the last couple bottles they have because it wasn't super expensive, right?
0: I don't know. I, I didn't pay for it. No, I didn't pay for it.
1: I think it was only like $24. Oh,
0: really? I feel like Vivino had it listed at 18 or 19 yeah, They may have marked it up since it's on
1: not found anywhere.
0: <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Mm. At the very least, we can go back and say, hey, I want an orange wine and, yeah. and see what they do.
1: All right. So it's on tap for a conversation today.
0: So tonight, this is our first podcast. I wanted to talk about our history with wine.
1: Okay. So I never really grew up on wine. I grew up on beer, and then I transitioned.
0: How, how old were you when you had your first beer?
1: I think I was 10. I remember from the farm. Uh, my family grew up on the farm in a northwest Ohio. And as on hot days, when you, after you were out in the field doing odds or ends and cleaning up in the area, you would be able to have one beer, and it was always Bud Light. And that was your grandfather giving it to you? Yes. Okay. But then I'm soon enough, migrated to family functions, because we're out on the farm. Nobody cares. And then I grew up on beer, transitioned
0: into liquor in college. Before we go to college, if I remember right, you were maybe have been having beer at family functions, but it, it wasn't at an adult's knowledge. Yeah. You were, you were sneaking it with your cousins. Oh, yeah. Okay. Any normal kid sneaks alcohol. The one beer when you were 10... Was yeah. so permissible. Yeah, The, the beer, yeah, any normal kid. The, the beer when you were a teenager was snuck. Oh, yeah, because the fridge was always packed full of beer. Always. That's just a normal. Okay, so back to liquor.
1: So after beer, I transitioned to liquor in college. Like any normal college student getting out on their own has to try different things. Liquor was just not my jam. Got you super drunk. You don't remember a lot after that. Then I transitioned back to beer, craft beer, beer. Because Columbus has started to become one of the
0: areas for good craft beer. I think there's a lot in there. We've only been doing craft beer for a couple of years.
1: No, I would. What was it? We started drinking. Yeah, you're right. Craft beer is probably 2017, 2016, 2017.
0: Yeah. So in college, you were drinking liquor. Yeah. And then after college, actually, really, I mean, we established it. you didn't finish college. Yeah. But you've been very successful at your career. So we don't need to open that up right now. Maybe another time. You left college with me to move here, and we weren't drinking liquor. Oh, yeah. Right? We weren't re- really drinking much of all. No. So how how did you find yourself into wine?
1: It was more the fact that our friends were starting to drink it. It was a little cheaper and a little more fancy than beer. I felt I needed to be a little more, I don't know what it. what's the word I'm looking for, grown up, than just drinking <laughs> straight up liquor or bad beer
0: it's kind of the reason we named this podcast the way we did right yeah you can have six beers and you know people will look at you like you drank too much but you can have six wines and it's called a tasting <laughs> but it's classy after that we started dabbling we did drink
1: a little bit of re- uh, wine on occasion you went to california the one time and picked up the pinot it was not a good pinot I, it was not my favorite. Didn't enjoy it. So we, that kind of deterred us from drinking wine for a little bit. And then what brought it back was all of our friends, because we're older on the older side of our friend group, and they were all getting married. And what do you have when you're at weddings is wine. So we started drinking a little bit more wine because we had so many weddings. But I think we learned a lot about wines at those weddings as well.
0: I, I feel like we kind of forced ourselves into it too. There's still wines we don't like. I feel like we were adhering, adhering. Yeah, we were staying away from wine because we didn't really know what we liked. We just know we tried a few things and didn't really care for it. But you're right. Going to, going to Matt and Emily's wedding is the first time I remember having red wine and it not being chilled. We used to chill our red wine all the time too, which is horrible. You should never chill red wine. Well, never is too strong a word. I'm I'm sure there are wines where you should, probably a dessert wine. I don't know. Right. But largely we don't chill red wines anymore.
1: So after after the weddings, um, we did dabble in it, and then we started doing Sunday night dinners with our friends, and that turned into a regular occur- occurrence then, and it was just bottles of wine flowed th- those nights because it was easy, and it was tasty, and it was classy. We then started, I, I don't know, um, COVID really turned the tables for us because it was easier than picking up beer and the calories were so much less than beer. And I f- felt like the calories were less <laughs> as you're looking at me like, no, not really. The calories are the same. But it makes you feel better. You don't feel like a lard ass in the morning
0: after drinking a bottle of wine. It's because instead of drinking 60 ounces of beer, you're drinking 25 ounces of wine.
1: Although the sugars are pretty bad. But other than that, it's supposed to be a little more, I'm using air quotes, healthy than beer, right? It doesn't have the yeast. It doesn't. And that's the other thing that I found out is I cannot drink regular beer anymore. The gluten hurts me. So wine was the natural alternative for me. Okay. Now, you don't think COVID really did it for us?
0: Oh, it definitely did. And we'll cover that in its own... Oh, uh, yeah, I know. ...own thing. COVID sent us down a spiral that we're we're still yet to recover from, but I, I think we're getting better. Yeah, so for me, growing up, there was almost no alcohol in the house ever. I remember growing up, dad would occasionally have a beer. And I, I feel like that was typically during the summertime, just at the end of the day. Mom never saw mom drink anything until recent years. <laughs> uh, so it really wasn't until I went to college. And of course, there was no wine in college. No college kid is drinking wine, right? Compared to Natty Light and Bush Light, it's wine's expensive. Got into drinking at the end of my freshman year due to, I mean, we could talk about that some other time. We could label that as kind of a rebellious thing. Started with liquor in college. Uh, I just wasn't fond of the taste of beer, which is funny now. Switched to beer eventually. But when you and I met, everything you said is right. We weren't drinking wine on a regular basis. We would have it probably with pasta, right? When pasta was typically reserved for, not reserved. uh, I would say we would have it with pasta with special events. right? Having spaghetti on a Wednesday did not warrant having a bottle of wine. But if it's your birthday and we're having ravioli or something, sure, we would have a bottle of wine with that. The
1: night you proposed to me?
0: Well, that's not fair. That was in a restaurant. <laughs> that wasn't even at home. But Again, I remember, I remember chilling red wine all the time because for whatever reason, we thought it made it taste better. And I, I firmly believe at the time that we thought cold red wine tasted better than warm red wine. When in, in retrospect, from sitting where I am now, it makes it taste so much worse. That'd be a fun topic to explore, chilling red wine versus not. Yeah, Sunday night dinners is when we really picked up to be regular wine drinkers. I think that's really when we saw our palate expand. Uh, We stopped becoming less picky about our wine and just whatever's in the glass is what I'm going to drink, which sounds bad, (laughs) but what?
1: Did you notice that after we let it sit for a while, it got cloudier? It did get cloudy. That's weird, right? Hmm. I've never seen that. It has a different
0: taste now. It's a little more acidic. Ooh, it is. Hmm. Do you still like it? Not as much. It's definitely a lot more acidic. That's weird. Again, we're idiots. I can't explain it. I can't either, but it really is. It looks like grapefruit juice now. It has warmed up a bit, right? Because it's been sitting out on the table.
1: It has, but in in the carbonation... No, there's still quite a bit of carbonation in it, but it's not
0: clear anymore at all. That's interesting. We're going to have to look that up. So where were we? Were we Were talking about the chili in our red wine? Oh. Sunday night dinners. We are talking about Sunday night dinners. Yeah, so it's Sunday night dinners. We would have whatever was poured to us, and really we were at the, I mean, do you remember, because you were shopping for groceries at the time to make Sunday night dinners, when you picked out wine for those nights, were you picking out anything in particular? No, I was just picking out the bottom shelf because it was cheaper. (laughs) And actually, I feel like we did, we did tend to hit red blends more often. I'm not sure about the whites. We can name two, right? The two Actually, hold on.
1: Actually, we started out with barefoot wine. And cupcake wine.
0: Way back when? Did we really? Yeah. Okay. Do you
1: remember for my birthday, uh, Chris and Kelly brought me down cupcake wine? Yeah, I do. It was red velvet cupcake wine because they knew I liked red velvet cake. Yeah.
0: It was decent from it what was I It was decent. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but again, it's one of those that you don't realize that... Well, so... When you look at the shelf, when you go to grocery stores, the, you tend to find the cheaper wines on the bottom shelf and the more expensive wines on the upper shelf. That doesn't necessarily right. correlate to the taste of the wine. Not always, no. Right? Cupcake was one of them. It, I actually thought the red wines from Cupcake were really good, and they were bottom shelf. Same with Barefoot. Mm-hmm. Barefoot, cold white wines were good. The red, not so awesome.
0: Oh, I think the two wines we were buying the most during Sunday night dinners. In fact, if you went back across all seven years where have probably been doing Sunday night dinners, I, I think. well, either way, it was definitely after the two kids were born.
1: Oh, yeah. It was when Ted hurt his face. It was not. I'm telling you, I'm almost positive it
0: is. Oh, I'll put money on it. I can find it in photos. Okay. But I bet you the Apothic Red. Oh, yes. We've bought a lot of those over the years, which isn't a bad wine. It's a red blend. And then the uh, 19 Crimes. A lot of 19 Crimes has been bought over the years. Yes. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, Sunday night dinners is when we really picked up our, our wine drinking. But we were still good during the time. It was still Sundays only, largely.
1: Yeah, largely. Maybe a Friday or Saturday, depending if we went out with the, the people we hung out with. Mm-hmm. And then I think COVID exploded us.
0: Yeah. Again, I don't want to get into the whole thing. But there at the start of COVID, it basically came down to a bottle a night each because there was nothing else to do. <laughs> right. right. So over the years, it's funny because we have Sunday night dinner with Chris and Cherry. Right. You okay?
1: Oh, it's tasting better now.
0: As a breeze, maybe? I would expect the air to have more of an effect on this white wine.
1: It tastes better now. And maybe that's what it was because we did let it sit for quite a bit before we started drinking it before. Remember?
0: Mm-hmm. Again, we're idiots. But if you, you open a red wine and you let it sit in a decanter to let it breathe, and that affects the tannins, right? Right. And then this also has tannins. So if you open it and let it breathe, which is kind of weird with the carbonation, because there has to be a happy balance there. You let it sit too long and it's going to go flat. Right. It still doesn't explain this cloudiness, but that's okay. No, that's weird. Yeah, the first glass we could see through. Where was I? I had one more thing with red. or Oh, with Sunday night dinners. It's largely become you and Sherry drinking... Reds as Sunday night dinner, and Chris and I are drinking whites, right? And I, we've had this conversation before. You thought for the longest time that my favorite type of wine is white, and it's really not. I, I would take a red. I would take a Malbec probably over any other wine that's out there. It's just when we get together with Sunday night dinners, and this started with our trip to Europe. I think we went to Europe. We were sitting at a restaurant, and you and Sherry were ordering a bottle of red, and. Chris was asking if I wanted to split a bottle of white, like sure, let's do it. Let's split a bottle of white and and since then it's been white is for Chris and Kevin, and red is for Chris or Liz and cherry. to the point where a couple weeks ago we were sitting at dinner and I reached for the red and somebody made the comment, Kevin, there's white in the fridge, right? Like white is the only thing I can drink. That's the only thing I'm allowed to drink, and it's not even my favorite, but red is though, yeah, I would I think red is my favorite. I would take them all back.
1: I would say the same is true with me. I mean. I like whites. I like brutes. I used to like rieslings. They turned it. Uh, they turned into too sweet
0: of a wine for me. Sauvignon Blanc is the dry sweet wine I like. Yeah, Sauvignon Blanc is is definitely my favorite white. I would also take a brute. Yeah, a brute's good. It a dry. It's a dry sparkling wine, right? A Pinot Grigio. Even though it's a little more on the sweeter side, I like a Pinot Grigio as well.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, I'm me something new. So one more question. So if you had to put a wine, pick a specific wine out for me, what would it be? It'd be a Malbec. Yeah.
0: But Malbec is my favorite. But a Pinot Grigio? I mean, it, it would make the top five, but it, it hmm. would probably be fourth or fifth.
1: Okay. I'm surprised you don't like Cab more than Malbec's.
0: I feel like Cab is the lager of the wine world. Right. Cab is the wine that everybody says they like. I've said that about Malbec before, but I'm changing it. I think that's Cab Agreed. Or realistically, probably, it's rosé lately.
1: It depends on the wet, or it depends on the time of the year. I think red wines are more associated to winter times. The, the rosés are more summertime, which makes sense because you want something nice and cool and bubbly for hot weather, and you want something to warm the insides during winter time.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be a little sexist for a minute, but only because the thought of saying a group of guys walks into a wine bar and asks for a wine just sounds funny. You see, a, you see a group of women, let's, let's pretend Metza still had their bar there. You see a group of women sitting there ordering, actually that's that's not fair because when I see a group of women at Wets, Wets, Metza, I assume they know what they're doing anyway, just because it's that kind of a joint. Oh, you see a group of women sitting at Good Vibes Winery. What type of wine are they ordering? Sparkling white or rosé or some sweet wine makes them giggly
1: and happy. I'm really disappointed Metza took their bar out. I know it wasn't. it's not what you typically see at a wine shop, but it was really well done. They would have pours. They would have regular on-tap wines that they would have available, and it was really awesome. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I don't remember the owner's name, but next time we're in there and we see her, you should feel free to bring that up. The thing I've seen on social media is they said they were doing too much, and they were trying to get back to their roots. And this all happened during COVID when they couldn't be serving people in the restaurant anyway. So I think it just kind of gave them that excuse.
1: But they expanded for a reason, right?
0: They didn't expand. I thought they did. No, they didn't take over any other shop.
1: Hmm.
0: What they've done now is they took the bar out and the seating out and they've made it more shelf space for wines. Why would any business owner be like, I want less business?
1: (laughs) I'm just saying.
0: We're now coming up to the last segment of this that I've titled The Last Sip. Okay. right, we're nearing the end of our wine, and we have one question left for discussion this evening. Okay. And tonight's question is, what was your worst date? (laughs) I can name it so
1: clearly. I met a guy in Lima. Right there. Says it all. However, he was from Wapak, and there was a car show that had the Indianapolis DJs that were prevalent back then. Do you remember who the, Tom Bob and Tom show
0: or? Bob and Tom were nationally known, but yeah. they, they were from Indianapolis? They were
1: from Indianapolis.
0: I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah.
1: And so they were in Walpock doing a show for the car show. And he's like, oh, we got to go. We got to go. It was our first date. And we get in there and he had not bought tickets beforehand. And they were sold out because Bob and Tom were in there. And he's like, oh, I know somebody. I know somebody. So we ended up walking around the outside of this car show (laughs) to find somebody. And we never found anybody. And so we ended up just going to a bar and drinking. It was so horrendous. That's the only time I've ever been to a car show. And every time I say car show, all I think is Bob and Tom. It's awful.
0: (laughs) Okay. But this was definitely before me, right? Oh, yes. So you were not 21.
1: I was not 21.
0: But you were in Lima drinking. Yes. At a bar.
1: Yes, but I did not have a baby at the bar. So it's a, it's all
0: good. Yeah, it's a, it's a stretch, I know. Which bar was it? I don't even remember. Oh. I'm not going to... Besides, I'm not going to throw them underneath the bus. Oh, you, do, uh, I think we're beyond the statute of limitations. I don't remember. It's a Wapak bar. Oh, okay. <sighs> Yours? Okay, mine. Man, where did I... I think... I met this girl at a bar in Bowling Green. Actually, she was there with her friend, and I don't know, Nick and I were dancing with them, hanging out with them, but both got their numbers afterward. Did call her, set up a date. She lived on the north side of Toledo, like east of where Dave and Leander live right now, more towards like the uh, Jeep plant. Okay. Went and picked her up. I don't think we had dinner. I don't remember if we did. Crap, I meant to look this up beforehand. We I took her to a movie at a movie theater in Sleela that's not even in business anymore. What was Courtney Cox's husband's name?
1: David Arquette.
0: Yes. So I, I took her to the wrestling movie that had David Arquette in it.
1: Oh my God, what movie is that? Oh, now I'm going to have to look it up. Oh, screw
0: you. Yeah, David Arquette in it and, and the other guy who's only ever been... In Road Trip. Uh, no, no, he was in Varsity Blues. He wasn't in Road Trip. He's only known for three movies. David Arquette? No, he's known for more, but those are the only three that
1: came up. What year was that?
0: Uh, God, I'm gonna... we are old. Um, I have to scroll. I'm guessing that movie came out in either 1999 or 2000. Ready to rumble. Oh, yes. <laughs> there we go. And the other guy that was
1: in there with him was Scott Cann. Huh. Would not have come up with that. He's in Ocean's Eleven, Gone in 60 Seconds. Gone in 60 he was 60. in Entourage
0: for a few seasons. I was thinking that as well. He played a rival of E at the yes. agency. He was in Boiler Room. You're right. He was in Far City Blues.
1: Dang it. I got ready to rumble, though, for you.
0: You're welcome. Yeah. Took her to see that movie, and I, I thought it was hilarious, and she did not enjoy it. Oh, it was hilarious. I never saw her again.
1: Not even like you just dropped her off and oh, yeah. like deuced I, I, it? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. She left the movie theater with me in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I took her home, dropped her off at her house, <laughs> and then never saw her again. Mm-hmm. Your doing or her doing? It was hers. Okay. So did you call her back or did? I called her back. Why?
1: No, I'm just kind of curious. Was it, it? Was it she dropped off the face of the earth or was it you that dropped off the face of the earth? She did. Okay. All right. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) At least yours is a little bit better. I mean, (laughs) it was a dinner and a movie. Mine is a car show with a radio personality types. (laughs) That was awful. It was
0: horrendous. I honestly don't remember. I assume we went to dinner, but I don't remember. Mm. If we were going to dinner in Toledo and I was trying to impress her it was probably the Olive Garden on 20 <laughs> <laughs> that's where you went in Toledo when you want to impress somebody back in the 90s
1: I would agree with that statement because <laughs> it was unlimited breast <laughs> 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 alright this got better when it was open for a bit this is a really good conversation tonight size doesn't matter
0: especially in a glass of wine.